tonight from a subject. I am not going to finish it, but I am going to start, and it is probably what I am going to um, preach until I had a baby at least. Hallelujah. But we're going to talk about the top, what, the topic I want to talk to you from is called I Can Trust God With My Life. Amen. I can trust God with my life. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things that you need in order to walk in any level of spiritual truth is a revelation. Well, here is the revelation I want you to get while I am teaching. I want you to meditate and study on these scriptures right here. Is that here's the revelation. God cannot fail. Turn to your neighbor and say, God cannot fail. Hallelujah. We know that God cannot fail because 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter and the 8th verse tells us that love never fails. And we know that God is love. Amen. So if love never fails, God never fails. Amen. And then the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know that love is God. God is God. And the word is God. Amen. So tell your neighbor, say the second thing you need to understand is that the word never fails. Say, God never fails, and the word never fails. Amen. Now we're going to set you up on this third revelation that you need to get, is that God never fails, the word never fails, and if you are in God, you never fail. Say, I never fail. Say, as long as I'm in the Spirit, I never fail. Now, let me tell you why that's so important. If there is no possibility of failure, there is no ability to fear. If you don't believe you can fail, you have no fear. So when you understand that God never fails, the word never fails, and that when you are in God, you never fail, then that breaks the spirit of fear that tries to attack you when you are trying to obey God. Amen. Say, God never fails. His word never fails. And I never fail as long as I'm in God. That is just so absolutely simple, but yet so absolutely life-changing. That our God never fails. It is impossible for God to fail. It is impossible for his word to fail. And if I am in him, it is impossible for me to fail. So therefore, when I am in him, I am obeying him. And so I don't have a reason to be afraid of what would happen if it didn't work out. Because there is absolutely no way that it couldn't work out. Because God never fails, his word never fails, and I'm in him, so I can never fail. Amen. Romans 10 and 17. <clears throat> Romans the 10th chapter and the 17th verse. Shout hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory to God. Romans 10 and 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to establish some things that are going to change our life right here if we can actually do them, if we can actually implement them into our life. Now, one of the things that we've been taught tonight is that God never fails. The second thing that we've been taught tonight is that his word never fails. The third thing that we've been taught tonight is that if we are in him, we never fail. And the fourth thing that we've been taught tonight is that if all of those things are in play, there is no reason to be afraid. Amen. So then it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So according to the word of God, there is only one way for faith to come into our situation, and that is through what? The word. The only way that faith will come in your situation is through the word. It is by us hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word that it causes change to come into our life. Hallelujah. If you go back up to verse 9 in chapter 10, verse 8, it says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Actually, nigh means near. It says, The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach. What is this word of faith that we preach? That if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. He said, here is what the message of faith is. The message of faith is in your mouth. The message of faith is in your heart. And it simply says this, that if you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Now, we understand that the word saved there does not just mean going to heaven. It is from the Greek word soteria, which means to be delivered and to set free and to, brought in, to be brought into a prosperous place. So anytime we know this, that God is a God of principles, amen, that we find out that God is no respecter of persons, and that if we can find out how God operates and we can implement it in our life, we can see the same thing take place in our life. Amen? Now, what we understand here is that how many of you in here are saved? And you got saved because you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart. You have never been to heaven, but you believe you are going to heaven because when you confess with your mouth, you believed in your heart, what? That Jesus was Lord, raised from the dead to save you from your sins. Amen? So what we have just learned here is that if that principle will work for your eternal soul salvation, it will work for your health. It will work for your finances. It will work for your children. It will work for your mind. It will work for your situation. But you have got to open your mouth and confess the word of God, and you have got to believe it. Now, the thing that I want you to stop and understand is that that is why making confessions are so absolutely important. That is why in order to, you have to develop a regimen of faith where you make confessions daily. Confessions cannot be this thing that you hit or miss. Confessions cannot even be this thing that you begin to do on automatic pilot without putting your mind and your heart into what it is you're doing. Because he says your salvation comes when your mouth and your heart get in agreement. There is no salvation until your mouth and your heart get in agreement. Say, my mouth and my heart must agree in order for me to be saved. Now, that is why sometimes you can come and make a confession and get excited about a word, but yet go home and live like nothing happened. Because you made the confession with your mouth, but you did not make the confession long enough for your heart to come in agreement with what it was that you were saying. Now, you've seen this happen in a natural on many occasions because if you hear something that at first glance you believe not to be true, but if you keep hearing it, what happens? You begin to believe it. So it's very important for us to understand that in order to get deliverance, there has to be a connection between what's coming out of our mouth and what's in our heart, which is why it's so important to train our mouth not to speak against the word of God. 
That's why it's so important to train our mouth not to talk about how sick we are, not to talk about how bad it is, not to talk about how broke we are, not to talk about what is going to happen one day. It is very important for our, us to train our mouths to agree with what it is that God is saying about our situation. And I'll be honest with you that in our flesh that's very difficult because sometimes we feel like we need to be able to complain. But you have to understand that when you're complaining that what you're doing is speaking against the word of God for your life. And you're also revealing what's really in your heart. And what's really in your heart is that you've been going through. And what's really is in your heart is that you don't really know if seed time and harvest work. And what's really in your heart is that you don't really know if all this praying and praying in tongues works. And what's really in your heart is that if you don't really know that spending all this time in the Word is going to change anything. But if you keep doing it, tell your neighbor, say, don't quit. If you'll keep doing it, your heart will line up with your mouth. But that's either way. That's either way. So that is why you have to make sure that you are hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the words. Hearing words. One of the things that I love that Pastor Dollar says, Dr. Hughes says as well, I think this is so great. Most of us are sitting here and we're in some type of financial crunch. Well, one of the things that Dr. Dollar and Dr. Hillier both say is this, is that if you had a life-threatening illness, you don't have time to be watching soap operas. Well, if you have cancer in your finances, you don't have time to be watching television. Amen? You don't have time for judge shows. You don't have time for CSI. You don't have time for that. Am I saying you can't ever watch TV? No, but I'm saying to you that you... You're not going to get a change in your situation because you get up today and spend two hours in the Word and then it's three days before you do it again. You're going to get a change. I mean, it's, it's just like in the natural. You can go and work out six hours today, but if you don't work out again for two weeks, it did you absolutely no good to work out six. You were just real, real sore the next day. But you don't see any results. The results come from consistency. And that is why the enemy works so hard to keep us from being consistent. And then what we're developing consistency in is being inconsistent. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to give you the formula for prosperity in case you missed it on Sunday because Pastor Edwin gave it to us. The formula for prosperity is hearing and doing the word. Wow, it ain't even four steps. It's when you combine hearing plus doing, you're going to get prosperous. Go to Deuteronomy, the 29th chapter and the 9th verse. Twenty-nine and nine. Deuteronomy twenty-nine and nine, and when you have it, let's say Amen. Amen. Ready, read. Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. In Deuteronomy 29, he gives us the formula for prosperity. He says, keep therefore the word. Keep means keep the word before your eyes. Keep the word in your ears. Keep the word coming out of your mouth. He says, keep and then do what it is that you've heard so that you may prosper in all that you do. Does it say that you would prosper in some of the things you do? 
He says that you would prosper in all of the things you do. He says if you will keep the word before you, if you will do the word, that you will prosper in everything that you do. Hallelujah. Now we need to understand this, that the word is the most powerful force in the universe, the most powerful force that exists, because it is actually God himself. It is his word. He is speaking, and he can change any situation. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter and the 4th verse tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. The word is designed to break up thought patterns that are designed to keep you from living the abundant life. Hallelujah. Let me define what a stronghold is for you. A stronghold is a system of thought planted in our mind by the world from the enemy designed to keep us from living the abundant life. So a stronghold is a system of thoughts. It is placed in our mind by the world. But it is from the enemy. And it is designed to keep us from living the abundant life. Are you seeing that? It says, now the stronghold, your way of thinking, however you think about money, however you think about relationships, however you think about health, you got the information out of the world. But it was from the devil. And its purpose was to keep you from living the abundant life. But the Word of God has the power to tear down any stronghold if it is applied consistently and systematically to our thinking. Unless you have spent a lot of time in the Word, your habits regarding finances, your habits regarding relationships, they have been set for you by the Word. Amen? And so it says that we have to have a new thought brought into our mind, which is the Word of God, and then we have to allow that thought to come in over and over and over and over again until it causes an internal change. See, lots of people get excited about the Word, but there is no internal change that causes you to respond differently. You understand what I'm saying? See, it's not enough to get excited about the word. Getting excited about the word won't get your life changed. You've got to get excited enough about that word that you want to hear it over and over again until you see yourself changing. Hallelujah. We're going to look at 3 John 2 because we're going to establish what the word has to say about our life, about what God's will is for our life. And then we're going to deal with tearing down a stronghold, anything that, we've, that we have encountered in our life that has told us something different. 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you would what? Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You need to understand that this is what God has to say about our lives. What God says is that he desires for us to prosper and to be in health even as our soul prospers. How many of you believe that that's true? But how many of you can also acknowledge that there have been some areas in your life have, that have not changed? It is because you have not used this scripture to tear down the situations in your life that were not prospering. Amen? Now he tells us, he says, he wants us to prosper and be in health 
even as our soul prospers. Our soul is where our mind, will, and emotions take place. So he is saying to us that the, our ability to prosper is determined by how we think. Say, my ability to prosper is determined by how I think. Wrong thinking, wrong manifestation. Right thinking, right manifestation. You understand that? My God, this is so good. What you have to understand is that God desires that we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. On the other hand, the world has told us that most people will never live this way. And most people, we've been taught that most people are designed to barely make it through life, to struggle. That if they're all right in their finances, they're not okay in their relationships. If they're okay in their finances and their relationships, they're not okay in their health. If they're okay in their health, they don't have enough money. And so the world has taught us that this is the way we should expect to live. That that is just the common human experience. That you should expect to always be going through something. If it's not an attack on your family, it's an attack on your finances. If it's not an attack on your finances, is an attack on your mind. And unfortunately for us, most of us have actually already experienced this type of living and it seems to give credibility to what the world is saying. Before we've ever come into the kingdom of God, most of us did not grow up in houses of abundance. Even if we had people who were married in our lives, we didn't necessarily, even if they liked each other, we didn't necessarily see a godly marriage lived out. We didn't necessarily see a husband honor his wife and a wife honor her husband. We didn't necessarily see those things growing up. And so our experience seems to give credibility to what the word is, what the world is saying. Amen? Say that's a stronghold. Now, you have to understand that a stronghold is not torn down because you heard the scripture twice, ran once, and sowed a seed. Now, you need to shout, and you need to sow a seed, but you need to get into the word until you are honestly able to say that you recognize that what you have seen is not the reality that God has designed for you. You have to meditate on the word to such a degree that lack, that inferiority, that insecurity, that not having enough, that having bad relationships actually makes you uncomfortable. And the reality of it is, is that most of us have spent our lives in so much mess that we are not uncomfortable in mess. And because you're not uncomfortable in mess, you never push the envelope to get out of the mess. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If we can tap into the word of God for our lives, this word that God wants us to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers, we can leave behind the places of just enough and not enough and live in abundance. Did you hear what I said? I said, if you can tap into this word right here, that it is the will of God for you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, you can leave behind not enough. You can leave behind just enough and step into abundance. Tell your neighbor, say, but it will take work. Hallelujah. We love to hear that God desires to take care of our needs. Amen. We get excited about it, we shout about it, we even give in response to it. But it is imperative for us to understand that excitement, shouting, and giving without a mind transformation will never produce abundance. 
shouting, dancing, giving without a mind transformation will not produce abundance in your life. It just won't. You can give your last dime. You can shout until they have to carry you back to the car. But if you don't do the work of transforming your mind, abundance will evade you because you can only be what you can see. And if you, until you can see yourself owning a house, until you can see yourself not having to cash your, cash your check as soon as you get it to get it to the bank to keep something from bouncing, until you can see yourself being able to take a vacation, until you can see yourself writing a $1,000 check into the kingdom of God, until you can see it, it will not happen. That is why meditation should be the place where you allow God to write on the imagination of your mind. Meditation is where you allow God to write on the canvas of your imagination. You allow him to paint a picture of what your life should look like. And really, you should live there so until you have to bring yourself back to where you are right now. You understand what I'm saying? You should live in such a place of prosperity in your spirit that when... Pastor calls for a special project for $10,000, you whip out your checkbook and then you have to remind yourself that even though you have written many $10,000 checks, today you don't have $10,000. But if you can ever see yourself consistently writing a check for $10,000, there will come a day that you will write a check for $10,000. If you can ever see yourself in a healthy, whole, happy relationship consistently, you will live in a healthy, whole, happy relationship consistently. So tell your neighbor, say, but it starts with you changing your mind. Let me tell you the one thing that you got to change your mind about this ministry. You have to stop seeing this as a small church. This is not a small church. The rest of the people have not shown up yet, but this is not a small church. That's why I say when you come in, you shouldn't sit all over the place. Why? Because if it was 150 people in here, you couldn't put your purse in between your seat. You should prepare. See, I'm saying that when you get a mental picture for something, you act like something is so. Let me tell you how else I know that you think it's a small church. You think it's a small church because you show up late. But if you understood that this was a mega ministry, you wouldn't show up late because you understand that if you late, you wouldn't have a seat. But see, when you begin to change your mentality, you'll begin to attract people to you to come and follow you to the church. But as long as you think, oh, it's going to be plenty of seats in here, you ought to show up every Thursday and every Sunday going, this is going to be the Sunday, this is going to be the Thursday, there won't be no seats left. This is going to be the seat we're going to pull out the chairs. Why? Because I'm inviting people, but I'm also creating abundance from the inside of me. Your confession to people ought to be when they say, how is Fellowship of Champions going? You ought to say it is the fastest growing church in Conway. Hallelujah. Somebody says, is that line? No, the Bible says that's calling those things that be not. As though they were. So we could come in here and bellyache every week about how many people are here, or we could praise God for the fact that he told us that he would fill every one of these seats. And every time we come in here and there's not a seat full, it just gives God another opportunity to do a miracle in our lives. Because Pastor Edwin just told us that as long as we can see day come up, and as long as we can see night, we know that it's not over. Tell your neighbor, say, it's not close to being over. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 12 and 2, turn to it, please. 
It's absolutely one of my favorite scriptures. It is a scripture that the Lord really used to change my life. Romans 12 and 2. And one of the things that's so interesting to me is that sometimes, you know, people think that it takes a long time to change. But the only reason it takes a long time to change is because of the amount of time you're investing in change. You can take two people who decided they need to lose 20 pounds. The person who exercises three times a week and cuts out sweets occasionally is not going to see the results of the person who exercises five times a week and eats healthy. They're just not. Now, you will eventually get to your destination, hopefully. But unfortunately, in those situations, you take so long to make something happen that you forget what you was trying to do, and before you know it, you done picked up five pounds. So you need to understand that when you desire to have change in your life, you have to be willing to do what it takes to get change. How do I know that you can do it? Because everybody has had a situation where they have had a need or they have decided that they wanted something and they were willing to do whatever it took in order for them to get it. Tell your neighbor, say, I know you can sacrifice. If it's important to you, I know you can sacrifice. I was important to Pastor Edwin when he was dating me. For 13 weeks, he drove to Fayetteville every weekend, 13 weeks. Sometimes he came twice a week, 13 weeks. Why? I was important to him. I was crucial to him. What I'm saying to you is that when the word gets crucial to you, when change gets crucial to you, then you'll find yourself sitting up watching TV and you go, well, this is good, but what in the world am I doing here? Let me get my confessions because at least on the commercials I could be saying my confessions. At least when I'm driving in the car I can be saying my confessions. I can at least put my confessions on the refrigerator. I mean, really, you ought to have confessions everywhere that you can just pull out and you'll be like, I'm in the grocery store in the line too long. Wait a minute, hold on. What the word got to say about my life? Why? Because you won't change. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 12 and 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tell your neighbor, say, Transformation only occurs when your mind is changed. Amen. That's what we have to get in the body of Christ. There will be no transformation until in, the, in the natural until there is first a transformation in your mind. We had to change how we saw marriage in order for our marriage to change. You have to change how you see finances in order for your work, in order for your finances to change. You have to change how you see this word of God in order for the word to change you. I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm going to pick on her. She might, she's my baby. She'll be okay with it. But last night, Taylor was telling us that her head was hurting, or her stomach was hurting, or she was coughing or something. And she's sitting down reading another book. And I said to Edwin, I said, that is so like the character of most Christians. Now, she's just 10, so she can be taught. But here you are in a situation, and everything is more interesting to you than the one thing that has the ability to change your life. Come on now. 
I mean, you can't read the parable of the sower twice, but you can watch a rerun. You can go to the movie, see the movie, then buy the movie and watch the movie at home, but you can't invest in a new translation of the Bible. Because until you change your mind about what this right here, this word means to you, until you begin to value this word, until it begins to be something that is not tedious to you, anything that presents itself that can take you away from the word will take you away from the word. And all of it won't be seen. It'll just be a weight. That's why in Hebrews 12, it says, let us lay aside every sin and weight that does so easily get us off task. Let me get rid of everything that gets me off task. So if I know I can't turn on the TV for one hour without watching it five, let me lay aside the television. If I know I can't get on the phone and get off in 10 minutes, let me lay aside the telephone. Listen, Pastor, I want to tell you this. When I am studying the Word of God, I don't care who calls unless it's him. I don't care who calls. He'll be looking at me. He's like, you're not going to answer the phone? Nope. Why? Because I know if I get on the phone, they're going to start talking to me about something. I'm going to think about something else I need to say. And what should have been a three-minute conversation going to be a 50-minute conversation. And spending 50 minutes talking to them is not going to change my life. You understand what I'm saying? And so the enemy will mess up your time in the Word and then he'll mess up your praise. Some of you in your own houses don't praise God. That's why you can't praise God in church. If you can't praise God in your own house where you need the strongholds, bro, you sure not going to really praise God in church. You ought to praise God so in your house that you have to hold yourself back when you get to church, that you have to remind yourself that there are other people there, and if they saw you rolling across the floor like that, they might think something was wrong with you. Say, but i got to be changed in my mind. Until we are transformed and changed in our thinking, there will be no outward change. Say, I'm making a decision to change. Say, the Word of God must be applied consistently to my life. Now, some of us right now, before we go any further, ought to just repent for inconsistency. God, I just repent for being inconsistent. I repent for you having to say the same thing over to me again. I repent for that in the name of Jesus. I repent for asking you to give me more than I'm willing to sacrifice. Amen? Hallelujah. Is this radical? Yes. Will it change your life? Yes. Does it require a lot? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Because the Bible says that whatever you give will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He said, so when you get faithful in giving me an hour in the Word, then I'll multiply four hours back to you. You have to train yourself. So I have to discipline myself that the Word comes first. If that means getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, the Word has to come first. Hallelujah. You understand what I'm saying? Because we're talking about being changed. 
Hallelujah. Now I'm going to give you this something called this principle called the law of breakthrough. We talked about how a law will work for anybody who gets involved with it. How many of you believe that? Gravity will work for anybody who gets involved in it. If you go off here and jump off this building, gravity doesn't care whether you old, gravity doesn't care whether you young, it doesn't care whether you light, it doesn't care whether you dark, it doesn't care whether you heavy or whether you skinny. If you jump off this building, gravity will get involved with you. So we're going to talk about the law of breakthrough. Breakthrough only occurs when a person consistently operates in the principles of the word. Breakthrough only occurs when a person consistently operates in the principles of the word. Breakthrough only occurs when a person consistently operates in the principles of the word. That's the only time breakthrough is going to occur. The person who walks consistently in the truth will see the walls of containment in his life come down. The person who is consistent in the word will see the walls of containment come down. All right, go to John 8 and 31. I want to show you where we get this from, this principle of breakthrough. John 8 and 31. Hallelujah. See, I'm being changed. Glory to God. John 8 and 31 is where we get the law of breakthrough from. 8, 31 and 32. It says, Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth you know shall make you free. He gives us a principle right there. He says, look at this. He says, if you continue in my word, three things are going to happen. If you continue in my word, you're going to be disciplined. You're going to be a disciple. You're going to be a follower of me. Continuing in my word is going to cause you to know the truth. And the truth that you know is going to cause you to become free. So this is the law of breakthrough. He says you have to continue in the word until you become disciplined in that word, until that discipline in that word produces truth and understanding in your mind, and that truth and understanding in your mind propels you to freedom. Say the law of breakthrough. Glory to God. Now, we're, I'm, we're going to speed up a little bit, but I, just, I want you to think about this. Has anybody ever felt like they didn't have enough money? I want you to understand that you, it's, your issue is never that you don't have enough money. Your issue is that you don't have enough word. Your issue is never that you don't have enough money. Your issue is always that you don't have enough word. If you feel like you're depressed, the issue is not that you don't have enough joy, it's that you don't have enough word. If you feel like your relationship is messed up, your relationship is messed up, not because your relationship is messed up, but because you don't have enough word. In other words, you don't know enough of the right thing to do and the right thing to say. 
if you feel like you have a shortage of money, it is not a shortage of money. It is a shortage of the word. Well, you say, where do I get that from? I want you to think about this now. In the earth, there is not a shortage of money. You do not hear reports on the news that say, we don't have enough money in the world. People have the money to do whatever it is that they need to do, those who actually have the money. However, there is a lot of money in the world, but only a small percentage of people actually control that money. So if you want to receive, and if I want to receive the, the third John 2 life, which is prosperity in every area, I have got to get in the Word so I can get right thinking. Because until I get right thinking, I can't get a right plan. How many of you have ever come up with a plan? On paper, it seemed real good. In, in application, it made the situation worse. Because wrong thinking can only produce a wrong plan. And then when you're talking to other people who got wrong thinking, they're celebrating how great your plan is. And then you do the plan, and then the plan doesn't put you in any better situation. He says, you've got to get this word. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can think right so he can give you a plan to turn your life around. How many of you know if your marriage needs to be changed, you need a plan for how to change your marriage? Because obviously whatever you're doing wasn't working. If you need a new job, you need a plan for how to get a job. See, I believe that God is so specific that if God wants you to have a new job, you don't have to run all over the country applying every place to get a job. That you can get into the presence of God and you can say, Now, God, I need a job. Where would you like me to work? And God will tell you, I believe, you know, the one thing I know is that God will at least tell you the city. And if you can get the city, you can get the profession. And if you can get the profession, I believe that you can spend enough time with God that he'll tell you the name of the company. And you can go to their website, and their website doesn't have anything posted. But if you go ahead and send your resume in, you watch and see, don't they call you and tell you that they just came up with this position that was open just for you. Why? Because you got into the presence of God, got right thinking so you can get a right plan. The Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world's way of doing things. This world's way of doing things, you need a car. You're running around the three dealerships. You don't have to run around the three dealerships. Our friend had a testimony about how she needed a car. She prayed, she asked God, where should she go to get a car? He told her the name of the dealership to go to get the car that she had never heard of before. Did she get the car? Yes. Why? Because she obeyed God. Because she, the word, because what God had to say was valuable enough to her that it caused her to seek it and she didn't move until she got it. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Say, I need right thinking so I can get a right plan so I can get into prosperity. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3. Shout hallelujah. 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to what? Thine own understanding. It says, acknowledge him in what? 
And how many? How many decisions did you make today that you consulted the Lord about? He says, lean not to your own understanding. Not because he's a tyrant, but because he knows your understanding going to mess you up. Because it's limited. Because in some cases it's contaminated with false information. He says, acknowledge me in all your ways. And I will direct your path. Now the Bible says that God knows what we have need of. So if we need a job, who knows it? And does he not have a plan to get us a job? And if we need a house, who knows we need a house? And if we need seed, who knows we need seed? If we need health, who knows we need health? If we need wealth, who knows we need wealth? If we need to get into school, who knows we need to get into school? So God knows everything that concerns us. But what he needs us to do is to stop trying to come up with our own good sounding plan and get in his presence and get a God plan. Why? Because we understand that we can trust God with our life. Amen. And since God never fails and his word never fails, and if I get in him, even if he, I never fail, if he tells me to do something that seems crazy, I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God never fails, his word never fails, and I never fail when I'm in God. So even if it seems crazy to you, it is going to bring me out into the set place that God has for me. Why? Because God never fails, his word never fails, and if I'm in him, I never fail. That's why I can trust God with my life. There is no failure in God. Tell your neighbor, say, there is no failure in God. If you have ever failed before, you weren't in God. No, I'm just going to tell you the truth so you'll know. If you have ever failed before, if you have ever made a mistake before, if you have ever gotten a bad situation before, you weren't in God. There is no failure in God. Hallelujah. My God. And he's so good. That even when you get yourself in a situation, if you'll start acknowledging him, he'll give you the fastest path to get out of this situation. Glory to God. So you don't even have to go to God and be like, oh, I messed up. I really need to go through the suffering of this. You can go to God and say, help, I made a mistake. I thought I was doing the right thing. This was clearly a very bad thing. I need your help. But then when God tells you something, Hey, neighbor, say, just do it. See, the problem is some of us will go to God and get a plan. Then we share it with two or three people and they didn't think it was right. Like they know. Like they all seeing. Like they all knowing. Like they know what's coming before you. And then you get talked out of a divine plan from God, a strategy that was designed to change your life, to bring the glory of God into the earth, because you asked somebody who was just as limited in their ability as you were without God. Amen. All right, let's build our confidence in God. Since faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, let's see what the word has to say about God. Go to Numbers 23 and 19. We've got to pick it up. Numbers 23 and 19. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Numbers 23 and 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? 
We're establishing who God is. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not the son of man that he should repent for what he said he would do. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. So John 3, 3 John 2 tells us, Beloved, above all things I wish you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So is God lying? No. Did God change his mind? No. If God said it, will he bring it to pass? Yes. When you transform your mind, will you prosper? Yes. Hallelujah. Psalms 89 and 34. Glory. Psalms 89 and 34. Got it? Psalms 89 and 34. Got it? Amen. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. 3 John 2, beloved, above all things, I wish that you would prosper. Be in health, even as your soul prospers. Did he break the covenant? Did he alter it? So God's will for your life is? Come on, Psalms 147.15. Because faith comes by how? And that's what you have to do when you're by yourself. That's what you got to do by yourself. You ought to open up your Bible, and when the enemy tells you you're not going to make it, you ought to open up your Bible and say, hold on, I know I'm going to make it. Why? Because Psalms this, because because Proverbs this, because Jeremiah this, this is what the Word of the Lord has to say about my situation. If I have to carry my Bible even when I'm asleep, if you attack me in my dreams, I'll open up my Bible, flip it open, and say, this is what the Word of the Lord has to say about my situation. Hallelujah. Psalms 147 and 15. You there? He sending forth his commandment upon the earth, and his word runs very swiftly. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, it don't take God all day to change your life. Because if his word runs swiftly, that means you need to run swiftly. So the problem is not that the word ain't moving. The problem is that you're not moving. But if you transform your mind, then guess what's going to happen? Prosperity is going to come in your soul. It's going to come in your finances. It's going to come in your body. Amen. Say, it is impossible to be with God and stay the same. I wish you would say that like you just got some anointing on it. Say, it is impossible to stay with God and stay the same. Amen. Come on, let's go to Isaiah 55. Hallelujah. I'm trying to teach you how to aggressively use your faith, how to open up your mouth, how to know what it is God says, how to put the word on top of it, how to, and how to come against everything that the enemy is doing in your life to try to keep you from being who God called you to be. Amen. Because this is the year of total transformation. This is the year of wow. This is the year of woe. This is the year of glory. This is the year of abundance, increase. If you didn't get the double two years ago, you can get it this year. You can get overflow. You can get whatever it is that you can believe for. This is your time and your season, but you got to transform your mind. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55. I'm going to read it out of Amplified. It says, For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens, and return not there again, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void without producing any effect or useless. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. 
So if I put the word in me, it will prosper. Say, if I put the word in me, I will prosper. Now listen to this. He says that, he says, just like the rain cannot come down into the earth without causing the earth to sprout and to bring forth. He says, the word cannot get into your heart without causing you to produce fruit. He said, just like that rain did not come down and come back up. And I know that's the one thing y'all remember about the cycle, the water cycle of evaporation. Rain comes down, and then it comes, what, it evaporates back up, then it becomes condensation, and then it comes back down. That's how your relationship ought to look with God. The Word comes down, it gets into your heart. It comes back up to Him in a praise. It goes back into His ears. It comes back down to you in a blessing, in a Word. It goes back in, and it comes back up, and it goes back in, and you're living in a perpetual cycle of blessing. Say, I believe I receive the perpetual blessing, and I'm willing to do the work. Hallelujah. But then it says, but it shall accomplish that which I please in purpose. Third John 2 tells us that what does he please in purpose? So he says to you, he says, when you put this word in you, it is impossible. Somebody shout impossible for you not to prosper. That has got to be your expectation, that there is no way that you can sit down and spend an hour in the Word and not prosper. There is no way you can spend 30 minutes praying in tongues and not prosper. There is no way that you can lift your hands and praise the Lord and not prosper. There is no way you can make confessions every day and not prosper. There is no way you can tithe and not prosper. There is no way you can sow and not prosper because it shall accomplish what he sent it to do. Hallelujah. You got to get rid of that timid spirit that says, I don't know whether it'll work or not. If you can't believe the word, you don't even know you're going to heaven. If you can't trust God to feed you now, how you know it's really mansions in heaven? It's probably shacks. If God is lying about taking care of you now, he's lying about heaven. But Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. So it don't matter how long you've been trying to get out of debt. It don't matter how long you've been trying to fix the relationship. It don't matter how long you've been trying to build a ministry. If you will believe God, it will come to pass. Hallelujah. We're not even through. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Come on, come on. Come on. You got to be changed by this word. Something's got to be taking place in you right now that says this is the last day I'm going to be broken. It ain't an emotional statement no more. This ain't the last, this is the last day my relationship's going to be messed up and I ain't saying it in emotion no more. I got the word back in me. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast seen well. For I will hasten my word to perform it. I will hasten my word to perform it. So if you can believe to go in and get an interview and a job in the same day, I will hasten my word to perform it. 
if you can believe to get a house before the end of this year, regardless of what your credit look like, I will hasten my word to perform it. If you can believe to be healed, no matter what the doctor says about your situation, I will hasten my word to perform it. One translation I read says, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. So my God never sleeps nor slumbers. So even if I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and get in the Word, He's there to give me revelation and instruction and give me direction and tell me what it is that I need to do. See, the problem has never been that God didn't want to come through. The problem was I was so distracted looking for other alternatives that I missed the alternative that was in front of me. Hallelujah. 1 Kings 8 and 56. Hallelujah. Let me hurry, hurry, hurry. 18... 1 Kings 8 and 56. It says, Blessed be the Lord that has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised. What is that? Y'all there yet? Which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. It says, not one word failed. Tell your neighbor, say, not one word has failed. So even if you didn't get it when you thought you was going to get it, it hadn't failed. Why? Because God doesn't fail, His word don't fail, and if you get in Him, you can't fail. Psalm 33 and 9. Glory to God. Psalm 33 and 9. Hallelujah. Psalm 33 and 9, it says, For he spake it, and it was done. He commanded it, and it stood fast. So in other words, when God tells us he's going to do something for us, when God tells us he's going to bring us out, even if we encounter delays, when we get to the place that God told us to get, whatever he said was going to be there is going to be there. Amen. Isaiah 48 and 3. Isaiah 48 and 3, it says, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth. I showed them, I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Say, the word doesn't fail. Go to Joshua 21 and 45. I'm trying to help you build your faith that when the enemy tries to talk to you, whether he's trying to talk to you in your mind, through your finances, or through your friends, that you can understand that what God said he meant. Hallelujah. What did it say? Come on. How much of it? Some of it? A portion of it. He says, nothing that he spoke failed to come to pass. It all came to pass. Matthew 5 and 18. Because I know some of you like, well, you ain't showed it to me in the New Testament. Great. Glad you asked. Let's go. Matthew 5 and 18. You there? 
For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. I'll let you catch up and get there. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. Tell your neighbor, say, it's good to know your Bible. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, you got it? Ready? Read. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. What? Did you see y'all don't read y'all? Y'all not reading, are you? He said all of the promises in him are yes and amen, meaning it is so. God, will you heal me? Yes, it is so. God, will you deliver my mind? Yes, it is so. God, I need a new job. Yes, it is so. God, I got a car situation. Yes, and it's so. God, you know I need to get out of debt. Yes, and it's so. God, you know I don't have no plan for how I'm going to do this. Yes, and it's so. All of the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. Somebody shout for the Lord. Hallelujah. We only got three more. Romans 4. Romans 4, 19 through 21. You can follow along, but I'm going to read it out of the NIV. It's talking about Abraham. It said, without becoming weak in his faith, he accepted the fact that he was past the time that he could have children. At that time, he was about 100 years old. He also realized that Sarah was too old to have children. But he kept believing the promise. He became strong in faith and gave glory to God. He was absolutely sure that God had the power to do what he had promised. He said Abraham did not deny his age. God's not asking you to deny that you're in debt. God is not asking you to deny that you have a debt, that you don't have a job, that you don't have a right car. But he is saying, if you can get in faith and begin to give glory to God and become absolutely convinced that God has the power to get you out of that situation, you will get out. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 10. And then we're going to Hebrews 6. We're going to end there. Hebrews 10 and 35. Hebrews 10 and 35 in the King James, it says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has recompense of reward. In the Amplified, you write it says great, I'm sorry. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. In the Amplified, it says do not therefore fling. Fling means to throw it away. It says don't put down the word and throw away your confidence because the word is the only place that you get confidence from. He says don't throw away your confidence. 
your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. In the NIV it says, so don't throw away your bold faith. It will bring you rich rewards. You need to be faithful. Then you will do what God wants you to do and you will receive what God promised. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6. Now, what was our premise? What was the revelation we were working off of? That God doesn't fail, His Word doesn't fail, and if I'm in Him, I never fail. So I don't have a reason to be afraid. Then 3 John 2 tells us above all things that God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Now, we're taking that promise and we're doing with it what Abraham did with the promise. We're going to look in Hebrews 6. I absolutely love this scripture right here. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Saying, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them the end of all strife. He says, wherein God, more willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in that it was impossible for God to lie, which we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entered into within the veil. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. It says, For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, Blessings, I will bless you. Blessings, I will certainly bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, say that's consistency, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac as the pledge of what was to come, what God had promised for him. Men indeed swear by greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes, the oath for taken for confirmation is final. It ends the strife. Accordingly, God also in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, say that's me, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan intervened, mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps out on it. A hope that reaches further and enters into the very certain presence within the veil. But now I'm going to give you the Sean Strickland translation. This is what he said. It says when Abraham got, when God got ready to make a promise to Abraham, it says that whenever somebody made a promise, they swore by something greater than themselves. 
But when God looked around, there was nothing greater than God. So God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I swear to God, I'm going to bless you. He didn't have nobody else to swear by. He looked at the stars. He couldn't swear by the stars because he had created them. He looked at the fish in the sea. He couldn't swear by them because he had created them. He looked around. He said, what's the biggest thing here? He said, oh, it's me. He said, Abraham, I swear to God, I bless you. He said, and if that is not enough, then he gave Jesus. So that along with his promise, you had the shedding of a blood as an oath to prove to you that it is impossible for God to lie. He said, it is this promise. Abraham, I swear to God, I bless you. And this oath, Jesus on the cross, that holds our souls as an anchor. So that when the world would tell us that it won't work, we are reminded that God said, Sean, I swear to God, I'll bless you if you'll just stay in my word. And he said, look at Jesus on the cross. It is the indication that I will do what I said I would do. And it anchors my soul so that I can receive the end of my faith. Come on and stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Now tonight, God is speaking, and he's saying, church, beloved, fellowship of champions, individual families and partners, my desire is to bless you and have you be in health, even as your soul prospers. You're saying, God, how can I know it's true? He's saying, daughter, son, I swear to God that I'll prosper you and cause you to be in health even as your soul prospers. He said, and if you can't trust the fact of my name by itself, look to the cross and see Jesus on the cross for your sins. He said, now combine the cross with my promise and praise me because you believe it's done. the word. Lord, we thank you for reminding us that you cannot fail. We thank you for reminding us that the word does not fail. God, we pray that this won't just be something abstract, but this is going to be something that we're going to apply to every situation in our life. God, I thank you for the faith being stirred in this place right now that's going to cause your people to go out and do what they felt like they couldn't do before, to possess what they felt like they couldn't possess before, to be what they felt like they couldn't be before. Now, God, I thank you that even now, God, even on tonight, you're going to drop divine revelation into the hearts of your people that will bring instruction to them and wisdom and revelation that our lives might be changed for the transformation and the glory of God. Now, Father God, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, do something amazing in us. 
do something amazing through us and do something amazing for us that it may be declared and it cannot be denied that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, just worship Him in this place.